Father, I thank you. I give you glory and I worship your holy name, sweet Jesus. I ask, sweet Spirit, that you come and speak to us in our sense, clear and still. Open our eyes of understanding that we might behold the riches, your wealth, of the glory of your inheritance in us, your church. Father, equip us and prepare us for this last days, for the mighty work you are set to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, the last word we stopped, we stopped at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. So we're moving forward to verse 12. Hallelujah. Verse 12. In him we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. I want this to be impressed in your heart. See, rest assured, if you are a Christian, you have direct access to God. You know, one of the remarkable things that happened on the when Jesus said it is finished on the cross and gave up his ghost, the Bible recorded the next thing that happened was that the veil that demarcated God from the people was torn from top to bottom. That was the first thing that happened. And that means that God has opened access to him directly. Now that veil was the wall between the most holy place where God dwelt in, on the ark and the holy place where the priests minister. Then the holy place was the, you know, well I say the go between God and the people who congregates at the outer court. So in the Old Testament, the people cannot access God directly, they need to go through the priests. The, the priests themselves too cannot even access God except one priest, the high priest that does it once a year. So there's a curtain that demarcates the holy place from the most holy place. But the Bible made it so clear that that curtain was torn from top to bottom which signals access, access, direct access to God. We don't need a go-between. And as believers, we must learn this. We don't need a go-between. You don't need a priest to access God. You don't need a pastor to access God. You don't need a prophet to access God. You don't need an apostle to access God. You have direct access to God. Don't wait for anyone to take you to God. Find yourself in God's presence. Whatever you are in need, so that we have access. Say, come boldly to the throne of grace where you can obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. You see that in Hebrews 4 verse 16. So we have access to God. Every believer must know this truth. 
must know this truth. Because somewhere at the back of the mind of many believers, they think it's until a pastor prays for them, until a pastor prophesies to them, until a pastor does one thing or the other, then they are stuck. No, that's Old Testament mentality. You have direct access. The next verse, which is verse 13 now, says, says therefore, since you have direct access, says, therefore, I ask you not to lose heart for my tribulations for you because Paul went through a lot of stuff for this gospel. Went through a lot of stuff. When you read 1 Corinthians, I think, chapter is it 11 or so, he listed out the things he suffered for Christ, the things he suffered for this gospel. So he was telling them, see, yes, I'm in prison, I'm in chains, I'm penning this letter to you. Don't feel bad. Don't feel, oh, yeah, Paul is suffering so much. No, no, he said, don't feel. Anyhow, because this is my suffering, he said, this is for your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then after he now said that, this is where I want us to dwell on today. Paul prayed the second set of prayers in this Ephesians chapter 1. We know the very, very popular one in chapter 1 from verse 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and all that. You know, about our eyes being opened. Say that, that the Father of glory may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we might know what is the hope of his glory and the riches of our inheritance, of, of his, sorry, of his inheritance in the saints. We know that prayer. This is the second prayer he's praying, and I want us to please pay attention to this prayer. That's what we're going to look at today. So in that verse 14, he said that his prayer. He now said, in verse 14, he said, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. We are now seeing these riches of his glory again. Remember, in the first prayer in chapter 1, he asked that our eyes be enlightened, that we might know, number one, what is the hope of his calling. Number two, what is his riches, our riches of his inheritance in the sense. So if our eyes has opened to know what these riches are, he now saying in this place that God will grant us in accordance to that riches of his glory, what? To be strengthened with might through his spirit in our inner man. Hallelujah. So he's saying that we should ask God for strengthening of strengthening. And this strengthening will be done through the Holy Spirit that is in our own spirit and soul. The inner man of a man is his spirit and his soul. Your inner man comprises your soul and your spirit. But we know the Holy Spirit does not dwell in your soul. He dwells in your human spirit. So the energizing of your inner man comes from your human spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells. 
But he said we should pray this prayer that this might will be strengthened. We already have the might. But let's pray that that might be strengthened. That that might be re-energized. That that might be, what other word will I use? <laughs> to be made potent. To be active. And it will be done in accordance with his riches in his glory. I want to spend some time talking about the riches of his glory. But I, would. I think I've mentioned it you know, two, two Tuesdays ago. But when you read all the epistles, you will see Paul talking so much about the riches of his glory. And this strengthening by might is done in proportion to that riches in glory. Peter told us that God has blessed us with everything that pertains to godliness and everything that pertains to life. And this blessing is in the heavenly places. In the same, in this same Ephesians, when you read verse 4 and verse 5, Paul, verse 3, especially, Paul also talked about this blessing in the heavenly places. This riches of his glory. The riches of God's glory, one thing about it you, you should know is that the riches of the glory of God is inexhaustible. You can't get to its limit. And this is the proportion that this strength will come. That means that the strengthening of the might in us, in our inner man, is also inexhaustible. That is the proportion. The proportion, according to, that is proportion, to this inexhaustible riches of his glory, we will be strengthened with might. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 also says something. He says, he says, the Bible says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Who is speaking? This is Paul. Paul talked about, talked about the thorn in his flesh. So this thorn in his flesh was constantly, you know, plaguing him. And he went to the Lord and talked to the Lord about it. And the Lord, in response to his prayer, said, see Paul, don't worry. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He now said, for my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. He now said, therefore gladly I would rather boast in my infirmity that the power of God may rest on me. And I think that is really amazing. That is really amazing. That the power of God may rest on me. So you've noticed one thing about this strength of God. This re-energizing of the might that is already in you comes whenever you don't focus or put your faith in your physical ability. It comes, it gets re-energized when you turn your eyes to God. Just like what I preached on Sunday about trusting God about putting your faith in God, about putting your hopes on God. When you trust God, put your faith in God, something happens. God's strength is made available for you. But when you think you can do it all, oh, I can do it, you're always hustling, running around trying to help yourself. First, without asking God to help you first. 
You depend and rely on your strength. You depend and rely on your connections. You depend and rely on your abilities. What happens is that the more you do that, the more God's strength, which is available for you, is relegated to the background because your eyes have been turned away from Him. And I read on Sunday, Psalm 1 to 1, says, I will look unto the hills. That is where my help comes. When you turn to God, say, my help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. When you turn to God, God's help is made available to you. So, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes on you. And one of the things he comes with is his might. That's why I keep saying that you already have this might if you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. But that this might is strengthened, is re-energized through praying the Spirit. That's what we did on Friday in prayer meeting. And we're going to continue it this tomorrow, this Wednesday. When you pray in the Spirit, you activate that might already in you. You turn it on. So this scripture, this Ephesians chapter 3, will be our key scripture tomorrow in tomorrow's prayers. Be our key scripture. That we will be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man. So how do you, as a Christian, re-energize yourself, especially if you are baptized with the Holy Spirit? How do you reactivate this might? Because Isaiah tells us that this spirit, he says the spirit of the Lord is upon him. He says the spirit of the Lord, he listed the seven spirits of God, which is part of the things that is being observed in these fall feasts. You know, the menorah, I think there's a, I've forgotten the particular name of that, of that feast around November time, where they, they light the seven candlesticks which represents the seven spirits of God. And one of the spirits there, see the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of understanding, wisdom, uh, knowledge, you see might, power. So if you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of might comes on you. You have it. That's exactly also what happened to Jesus Christ when he was baptized in water in Jordan. The Bible says that the Spirit descended as a dove on him right there in Jordan. That means that he, was, he also got baptized by the Spirit in Jordan. And the Bible says this Spirit led him into the wilderness. Hallelujah. Led him into the wilderness. So I want to show you 10 ways then we'll serve communion. Ten ways to re-energize this spirit of might that came upon you at the Holy Ghost baptism. 